Hello and welcome to the Writing Talk podcast. I'm your host, Michael Campling, known to friends as Mikey. And in this episode, I'm going to have a quick scamper through my bits of news and then we are going to dive into the main topic, which this week is all about making sure you have a really good story for your novel. Welcome to the Writing Talk podcast, the show that helps you to build your skills as we go on our writing journey together. So I've had a uh, quite a busy week, quite a busy few weeks. I have um, finished the first draft of my fourth mystery story, which I'm uh, reasonably pleased with. If you're a sort of beginning writer and you're thinking it must be great to have written loads of books and by that, you know, when I've written a few, I'll be totally confident about everything. I'm afraid to tell you it's not quite like that. Um, We still go through stages of thinking, oh, I finished it, but actually it's all dreadful. And I think that's quite a common feeling. But I will also say that one thing I've learned is to sort of push that feeling aside very quickly because it's amazing how you can fix a scene that isn't working or a chapter that isn't working by just a sentence or two. It really is um, quite incredible what you can do as long as you don't get too upset and you actually take a step back and say, "Okay, I know there's something with that scene that's kind of giving me an itch. It's just not quite working and what is it and you know you can start to think okay I just need to do this and this and you know a couple of sentences later and you think yeah that, that's it and that stage was maybe one that had to be gone through so do stick at it these things do just come with practice as um, as you go and things do get easier but you do have to uh, remember to take a step back now and then and I don't even have a title for this yet I'm struggling with a title for it for some reason but it, it will have one that's a sequel to some of my other Devonshire uh, mysteries, um, which uh, begin with A Study in Stone. Also recently, I was lucky enough to win a place on the SPF Foundation. So some of you will know the SPF um, podcasts and websites and blogs and resources and so on and courses, of course, set up by Mark Dawson with others. And um, the SPF Foundation, you can apply for it each year. And it's sponsored, uh, in my year, it was sponsored by uh, Mark Recklow, who's a non-fiction writer. So along with Mark Dawson and also Reedsy, um, the platform for helping you to find professionals to get your projects done to a high standard. And I was lucky enough to get a place. And so I've started that process and using the Reedsy Marketplace, which has been really great. I will do a whole show on that, I think, just have a little discussion of it with you, because that's something you can all use whether you've uh, you know you've got onto this foundation or not you can still use the Reedy marketplace is is open for business and um it's a great place to get professionals uh, to, to have your work done and i was able to find uh, an editor um who i'll be working with soon and a cover designer um called patrick knowles who has done a really good job of redesigning the covers uh, for my mystery study in stone really got the brief um, straight away just because he's a really professional cover designer and there's a huge leap between what you can do yourself even if you're quite good at graphics and photoshop and things you know I'm not too bad at those things but I will freely admit that um, I am certainly no professional cover designer and when you get somebody like that working with you it is fantastic and Patrick did a really good job so thoroughly recommended 
and you can find him on the um, on the Reedsy Marketplace. Okay, so on to the main topic. Now, I've kind of been taking a step back for people who are beginning their first novels, particularly with a lockdown going on. So um, this will apply to anybody, whether they've got a lockdown or not, I hope, if you're sort of getting cracking either with an early novel or you're just still trying to improve things, which I hope you are, because no matter how many you've written, you still need to keep um, working away at your craft. I think something that marks the difference between uh, between a decent writer and somebody who's just sort of uh, getting by is it just, just chipping away at getting your craft better as you go. Now, having talked quite a bit about planning and, and getting yourself organised, it would be very tempting just to sort of launch into really getting going with your draft. But I just want to hold back for this one more episode, I'm afraid, um, because I want to do a bit more thinking about um, your story before you really dive too far into the draft. And really, I want to start by asking a very simple question, and that's what's the point? Um, And by that, I mean, what is the point of your story? If I was sitting next to you now, face to face, um, I would I would say to you, what is this story about? And when you give me your answer, I'd look you in the eye and say, no, what is it really about? And um, sounds as though I'm getting a bit deep and meaningful, but I am really, because what I want to get at is these deeper issues. You could call them themes, you could call them metaphors, but all really trying to do is, is delve a bit deeper into your story and into the reason that you are starting this project in the first place. Why are you writing this novel? And I think you need to examine that a little bit. Um, You can frame it in any way you wish, and it doesn't matter whether you call it themes and metaphors or something else. Um, I can say that if you don't start asking yourself those kind of critical questions, then you can easily end up with a novel that's just a series of events. And it doesn't really matter how interesting your characters are if it's just a series of events. If it's just a person did a thing, a person did a thing, it won't really satisfy you and it won't satisfy your readers. So I'd like you to take a moment and ask yourself why you're really going to write this novel. And it's not enough just to say, oh, you've always wanted to write, you've wanted to write since you were little. I mean, lots of us feel like that, but it, it's not enough. I'm afraid you really need to have a story to tell. And sometimes when people get into this big argument between people, oh, he's a plotter, he's a pantser, she makes it up as she goes. And, you know, quite various famous writers that say they never have an outline and everybody else shakes their fist and says, you do have an outline, you just don't, you know, call it that. And it's all a lot of nonsense, really. Um, what we all need to have if we're going to craft a good story is some idea of the the thing that makes that story great. And the secret is that we don't know what the secret is, I'm afraid. None of us can really say definitively that we know the absolute answer to what makes every good story great. Um, th- there's just too much variation in human experience. And people say, oh, yeah, there's only, you know, however many seven stories or something. And again, I don't really I don't think it's worth expending mental energy on that kind of thing. Um, you know, so what? There's probably only a limited number of different kinds of cake and they're all variations on that. But, you know, as long as it's delicious and it's got chocolate on the top, you know, we're, we're good. I mean, um, so let's not waste our mental energy on, on things that don't really matter. As we are working, we need to bear in mind that we don't just want a series 
of events and it is quite an easy trap to fall into. Um, the problem is when we're talking about stories is that at a fundamental level, we kind of feel that we should know what a good story is, but the word stories used to cover a whole multitude of sins. So um, if somebody tells you the story of what they did at work that day, it probably won't have much significance to anyone but them and, and possibly you. Um, similarly, if you've got, you know, a couple of neighbours gossiping over the fence, um, they could be described as telling a story to each other. But again, it's probably not something that would bear much retelling and certainly, almost certainly not worth writing about. And it might be, but it probably isn't. So we need to think about something that really would, would bear repeating and, and bear that retelling over and again. And um, I was I was rereading the, the book Share Your Work by uh, the writer Austin Cleon. And um, I found a great quote in there that he found from John le Carre. Um, and apparently le Carre said that the cat sat on the mat is not a story but the cat sat on the dog's mat is a story. And really what the curry was trying to imply in a, a humorous way there is that um, events need to have a significance beyond the scope of what's actually occurred because people who are cat owners and dog owners would relate to that example in an immediate way. You'd be, you'd have a, a it would elicit an emotional response and, oh yes, they'd think, I know exactly how that's going to turn out, you know. <laughs> Um, but even if you don't own a cat or a dog, you can probably get a good idea of, of how that, that situation is going to play out. And so it, it's quite a clever example. This is the kind of thing that we're looking for in your story, not just events, but the emotional responses that go beyond what is actually set down on the page. So we're looking for a story that resonates with people. Um if you know the 20 books to 50k Facebook group, there's Craig Martell and Michael Anderley both uh, really, you know, motoring that group along and setting it up in the first place. And they often use that word resonate. And it, and it is a good one to keep in mind. So what is it in your story that is going to resonate with people? Because, you know, we all have this kind of common humanity that we can play on. Um, so try and bake this kind of thinking into your process as you go. And the, these kind of questions, be asking yourself, what is the point? Why writing this? Why are you writing this story? Why is it important you, for you to write this story now? And that's a good question to be asking as you're working on your planning stage and on your early drafts. Keep asking yourself that because it will save yourself an awful lot of grief later on. If during the planning stage, you've taken the time to think, is that going to actually be good? Is, does it have some significance? You know, will it will it be intriguing? Will it pique people's interest? Will it will it make people laugh or cry or will it tug at their heartstrings? You know, we want something in there. And I don't mean to imply that all the events in your story must all must all be earth shattering. Um you know, it might include quite seemingly mundane scenes or mundane actions that can actually speak volumes. I mean, we've all seen or, or read stories where a person has laid a place at the dinner table for someone who is no longer there or who can't be there in some way. And that's a really quite a simple trope that a lot of people have used in stories. And it's used a lot because it's a kind of small action that reveals a lot about someone's life. 
um, you know, their internal state is kind of laid bare in in that little action. And there are hundreds of ways of doing this, hundreds of examples of where some little thing is used just to elicit an emotional response. It could be an action, it could be a word, it could be a little thought or a deed. These things that are just tell a lot. Um, it's really good economical storytelling to use a small event or small thought or small action to to tell a lot, to speak volumes. It's a good trick to learn to do. So let's keep in our minds the principle that we're trying to elicit some kind of emotional response, some kind of engagement with our story. And by asking ourselves, how do we do that? What's the point of our story as we go? Then themes and metaphors will emerge during your your planning stages and during your writing. Um, it is true, however, that you will be able to produce those scenes more effectively and with more impact if you have some idea of what your themes and metaphors are going to be very early on in the process. So the earlier you can think about it, the better. I wouldn't say, though, that you have to have found the theme before you begin. Um, great if you if it comes to you and you know it and you've, you've got a starting point. But if not, don't get too hung up on it. It's OK to be a little bit vague earlier on um, and then solidify your ideas as you go. You're asking questions of yourself and then by answering those, you're solidifying your thinking, hopefully. And also, I don't want you to worry that you'll pick the wrong one. You know, I'm going to this, this I might I can't pick a theme in case I make a mistake, in case I get it wrong. I'm not clever enough to work out what the metaphor of my story is. I mean, that's all nonsense. I mean, throw throw those ideas out um, there. You're in a planning stage here and nothing set in stone. They cannot be wrong. If you have an inkling that your story is really going to be about a certain thing, scribble it down. It can't be wrong. You can change it later. You can modify it. You can throw it out. You can start again. It doesn't matter. You can juggle about with these things as you go. It's all fine. You really mustn't get hung up on these sort of ideas. And that's why I like, I like to break it down. It's why I don't talk too much about, um, about outlining. You know, I just like to say planning because I don't like to get hung up on things. Um, it's, it's, it's there to be used. It's there to be useful. If it's holding you up, if it's not useful, then we need to bin it and go on to something else. And keep in mind the fundamentals. You're producing a story for an audience. You want the audience to get it. You want them to enjoy it or be touched by it in some way. And that's takes a bit of planning and a bit of thinking and a bit of questioning on, on your part if you want to get to that. Also, another good reason to have this step in the process, this asking ourselves, what's the point, is that it doesn't just feed into the story itself. It feeds into your motivation as a writer. And I've mentioned before that you will need a, a ton of motivation to get you through producing a whole novel, especially if you haven't done it much before. And thinking of, to yourself, what is this story about? What's the point of it? If you are re reinforcing that by, by answering those questions, you're giving yourself a darn good reason to carry on so that you know in your heart of hearts why you are writing 
this novel at this time. And I don't know about you, but I, I can still remember that kind of dread horror at um, of some of the writing tasks that I was set at primary school. I mean, they weren't all bad. We had some good teachers as well, but it was very much the de rigueur at the time to ask people to write a piece every week or every so often saying called something like what I did on my holidays or or what I did at the weekend. And, you know, I, I loathed those. I, I just wanted my imagination, wanted to run free. I love books. I love books from an early age. I loved stories. And I, the last thing I wanted to do was kind of sit down and write a list of, of the fairly mundane things I'd done, you know. Um, and yet uh, so many of us were asked to do them and they were a bit of a waste of time. I mean, I had no interest in it, but perhaps a skilled diarist, you know, somebody like David Sedaris could uh, could make a uh, a riotous piece out of what they did at the weekend. But, um, you know, when you're a kid, uh, you don't uh, you don't really have that ability very often unless you're you're taught in some some way to to make the most with very little starting materials. And, you know, we don't want you your novel writing to be bogged down in the same kind of dreary. This is what we did kind of then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. You know, that is just very dull and you run out of motivation. You'll throw it out the window. Um, so keep asking yourself, what is it really about? Now, those themes don't have to be kind of grandiose themes, the kind of themes that scholars of ancient literature recognise. They don't have to be earth shattering. They should just be there. They just have to exist. Um, if you're not sure where to begin, we can think about a few examples we're looking at things that are fairly universal human experience, the kind of things that we can all aspire to talk about and hopefully that we all recognise in some way. For instance, a fairly universal theme is loss. I think that's something we can always explore. We all experience loss at some point in our lives and in some way, whether that might be a loved one, a relative, a friend, a beloved pet. It's hard to say. Uh, it can be loss of other things like loss of freedom and all kinds of different uh, things like that. Loss of st stability in a home. There are loads of things that we lose. And that that is a, a theme that is uh, a rich theme to be explored. Similarly, relationships within families, bearing in mind families can be all different kinds and communities. Those relationships uh, that can develop, that can change. I think that's another a really rich area. So, you know, it doesn't have to have a fancy name. Just just thinking about relationships within a family or within a community might be enough. Um, I mean, I often find themes like fathers and sons coming into my work. Um, maybe it's because I, I lost my dad um, about really quite a long time ago now. But, um, but that when you lose someone, you, you don't sort of, uh, it still seems like quite fresh, doesn't it? But um it's something that, you know, perhaps my work helps me with um, by exploring it and expressing it. And uh, maybe that resonates with people. I hope so. Um, another evergreen theme is the, uh, the coming of age type story. And yeah, you, you might say, well, that's been done so many times in the past. It's been done to death. It's cliched. But um, but it's also a theme that can be toyed with and played with. Um Yes, there's, there's the traditional coming of age, as in a young person becoming an adult. But then again, there are other ways in which we could be said to have come of age. It could be that um, people are settling into new modes of life. They might be leaving home. 
leaving a hometown, getting married or remarried, changing careers, uh, coming to terms with life's obstacles, overcoming troubles. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter what age you are when this happens, but it's only by going through something difficult and coming out the other side that you really feel that you've had this sort of coming of age experience. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I think of anyway, in terms of coming of age, it's those a big significant change in uh, someone's life and in their way of living. And remember the previous episode, if you check back to that last one, we were talking about um, change and this is what we are programmed to be interested in as humans. You know, we like to notice change. We're interested when things change. So something like a coming of age type story, which is significantly about change, it's um, it's what it's all about. And I, that can make it really engaging. We need characters to have significant changes in whatever kind of book we are writing because that is really what is powering our stories forward. It's keeping our readers turning the page because they, they're watching these changes and they want to know what happens next. They're experiencing that in some emotional way along with the characters. I think that about wraps up the main theme for this week. The take-home message, if I haven't hammered it home enough already, is just to keep asking yourself, what is it about? Why should you write this story right now? So I mentioned this earlier, but I think for the writing toolbox section this week, I would just mention uh, the Readsy marketplace. Once again, there is so much stuff there. Not only is there the marketplace where you can get in touch with various professionals such as editors and designers who can design the inside of your book or can do the cover. There's a whole bunch of people on there. There are marketers on there. There are loads of people you can think of and you put a um, a brief together and you select professionals. You can see their profile. You can see what reviews they've had. You can set up a collaboration and you've kind of got the security of knowing that these people have all been vetted to be allowed into the reading marketplace. And it does just really work very well. The whole um, experience of using it has been put together in a way that makes it very smooth and easy. You get notifications of everything. You get confirmations of everything by email. So all your communication is done to the marketplace. So that helps to keep all your projects on track and it helps everybody to know at every stage of the way who is doing what and when. You know, when is work going to start? When are you going to pay? How much is it going to cost? When is it going to be finished? All these things are all put in there. So from my experience so far, had one completed project, one about to start and another one that's just kind of starting. So, you know, I've, I've kicked the tires a fair bit and I, I think it is it is great. So I do recommend you going over there, having a look. So I'm afraid at this point, my recording seems to have glitched out. So I think what I will do is I will come back to discussing the various resources on offer at Readsy for another programme and dedicate a programme to, uh, to looking into that. So for the moment, thank you very much for listening. I've been Mikey Campling and keep scribbling, keep tapping away at the keys and while you're doing it, keep smiling. Goodbye. Goodbye.